Hello and welcome back to Franchise Sports Talk Basketball. I'm Joe and I'm joined by Sam as always. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, so we're about, what are we, like a week, less than a week away from the season starting now. Um, well, so pre-season starts in like a couple of days, isn't it? Pre-season, yeah. Okay, sorry, yeah. Less than a week from pre-season starting, I mean. Um, so we thought we might as well get a podcast going, um, get back into it. So it's our first in a while because it's been the the rare lull where not that much was happening in the NBA, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, all the off-season stuff was a while ago, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, I mean, but the, the big story really at the moment is the Ben Simmons situation, isn't it? Who I think that was was it a few days ago when he said that he intends to never play a game for the Sixers again, and he's not. Um, not gone to media day is that right yep and there was a report that came out just an hour or so ago on tuesday about the relationship's completely broken simmons doesn't want to play with Embiid. he doesn't think he, he can be the best next to Embiid and all this stuff i would say the other big story at the moment is vaccinations but let's not do that oh, because yeah. that's all yes let's not go into that we could do a whole podcast on the craziness that came out of some nba players mouths yesterday um yeah, is is basically it's completely broken down. Simmons is holding out. Um, lots of reporting about the money he could miss out on, the money he might not not miss out on. Why the Sixers would or wouldn't do that. Um, either way, he's got an enormous amount of money and he's going to make a lot more money. So I mean, I don't. Some of that politically within the league is vaguely interesting, but I yeah I don't want to get like too bogged down in that sort of no. the holdout nonsense. Because it seems to happen every two months as well, doesn't it? Is, um, what it means for basketball matches, not matches, basketball games, games of basketball, and um, yeah, how it affects teams. And um, yeah, I mean, did you say you had some uh, potential trades? Yeah, so it's a weird one with this because by Dalmori's demands, is there are sort of no potential trades is getting an all-star back right now is flat out not happening. As in like the Beal and Lillard dream scenarios are just not there at the moment and might not be there at all. So if we kind of ignore those, it's like going to be a really long wait for them to maybe get that. And if Simmons is genuinely not going to turn up at all, can they just wait until like the trade deadline and hope someone asks out? I don't know. I mean, like that's, that's just sort of like not on the table. So the other options they've got is they try and take a package around young players and picks, um, as people refer to, like a similar sort of thing to the Harden deal, although better than that, seeing as the Rockets didn't really get any players from it. Um, And then they take that stuff and then they try and deal that for a star soon. That obviously is less good for Mori because they've got a guy who just finished runner-up in MVP, who is injury-prone and in his 20s and peaking, and they basically want to try and win the title in 2022, not in 2026. So the other thing is between these those two options, which hasn't really been spoken about much because there's this feeling that Daryl Morey, in most reporting anyway, is just going to hold as long as he can. Simmons is not going to turn up. And they're both in this kind of um, trench warfare at the moment. So I've, I've tried to look at some potential things that could happen that where the Sixers get players that help them right now who maybe aren't all-stars but are close 
yeah, I mean, that seems like the most likely thing, isn't it? If they're not going to get a big star, uh, they really need players now, don't they? Now, yeah, I mean, they don't have they don't have a point guard at the moment. I mean, uh, yeah, Tyrese Maxey will start as it stands. Yeah, their team is worse than last year, isn't it? Because they lost George Hill, didn't they? As well. Um, and they're, they're a, a bit light in the backcourt, really, I guess, aren't they? Yeah, and so I... There's a lot of talk about Minnesota, and I don't really have much to say on them other than Oh, I'll come on to them in a minute. In that they have to, it would have to be a three-team deal because I just, I don't think the Sixers would really want D'Angelo Russell. They got him because he's mates with Carl Towns. Like that, that's just not happening. They're not trading Edwards. They're not trading Towns. It would have to be like Malik Beasley and Torian Prince for the salary, and then maybe some other young players. And as that's not even close, unless even if they got a load of picks, it might not be enough to be honest, because it doesn't help them much at all right now. The only one I can see straight up that makes any sense at all at the moment is with Sacramento. They've currently got Fox, Davion Mitchell and Tyrese Halliburton in the backcourt and Buddy Heald. So as their last two first round picks, their guy they've just given a massive contract and Heald, who can't all be on the court together at the same time. Then there's Barnes and Rashawn Holmes they've just paid. A deal around Buddy Heald like, makes a lot of sense. Healed for Simmons, they'd have to give up a load of other assets. And I think the Sixers would have to ask for Tyrese Halliburton. I think that's like, if they're not going to get a Fox, which I don't think they are, you'd be looking at Halliburton and Healed. And I think Daryl Morey would still want picks. And I don't think the Kings do that. I think there's a good chance they're just not trading Halliburton at all. Yeah, I guess the the issue here really is the um, how much value Ben Simmons has it's like I think there's probably quite a big gap between what Mori wants and um, yeah because if I'm the Kings I don't know whether I giving up Hill down Halliburton I don't know I don't know whether I like that if I'm the Kings general manager oh no neither, neither do I I don't think because Tyrese Halliburton is is such a good like just sub star player potentially in that he can play on ball and off ball. He's got the build to become a pretty good defender and he can shoot and he can create his own shot. And it's like, well, if you can have him as a combo guard next to any sort of stars you've got, whether it's Fox or Joel Embiid, like that's a really ideal player to have. And he's obviously cheap at the moment. The one thing that makes the Kings a tempting thing here is Simmons... I mean, there are a lot of comparisons we can draw with him and Russell Westbrook, but that could be a whole other series of podcasts. Westbrook's always referred to as a as a floor raiser because in the playoffs, his weaknesses show up. And it's very similar with Simmons. It's basically in the regular season, he's going to get his teams to a certain level. And if there's any team in the NBA right now who wants to just have a good regular season and get the playoffs, it's the Kings. So from that angle, I could kind of see how you go, like, we'll have Fox and Mitchell, Barnes, Simmons, Holmes. They were the worst defense, I think, of all time last season. And then they put the guy who was runner-up in defense player of the year in there. Yeah. That's that's how you'd sell yourselves on it, I think, if you're Sacramento. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense in that way. It's just as a whole... Um... Uh, you know, team like your team thinking together 
it's quite difficult. Um, Simmons isn't really with a sort of with his limitations. It's like you need to um, you almost need to build around him. And then the question mark is: Is he, you know, is it worth building around him? Is it worth us tearing around the whole roster to do that? Look, because he's just not shown he's that guy yet. Has he? No. He's not shown he's that guy at all. And, and if if you're not that guy and you're that limited, then it's like okay, you're a you're a very you're like a specialist, really, aren't you? In a team, you're a you're a very useful specialist, but you can't then you can't then be like demanding a trade package of a star. I think no, and actually, it's interesting. There was a briefly in the Twitter sphere that always seemed like nonsense anyway. Um, that there could be a, a Simmons to the Nuggets, you'd assume for Aaron Gordon. And it's like, well, Simmons and Aaron Gordon are actually pretty similar players. Simmons is a notch or two above him, maybe a few more than that. But you look at that, and that's how you'd have to fit Simmons into a contender, isn't it? Is you'd need although, a, a centre who shoots. Although Gordon can shoot a bit. Yeah, I mean, he shoots more than him, but Gordon's also not quite defensive player of the year and not quite yeah. as good a playmaker um but that he's he's actually he's like a a premium aaron gordon rather than a baby lebron at the moment at least isn't he yeah it's the, i guess such the lack of shooting though even then is like for the nuggets it's like do, do they need i mean i don't know would wouldn't they rather have gordon it's like they got gordon because he he fits perfectly around all their other stars it's like if you add someone in that then doesn't shoot at all. So, well, yeah, undermines everything. I, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. Is that I would, I think I would prefer Gordon's fit there. But if you really believed in Simmons can go another level, if you think Simmons can become a perennial All NBA guy, that's maybe that's the fit it would have to be. Is you've got a shooting centre who stretches the floor. Everyone else in the lineup shoots. Well, well <laughs> Michael Porter Jr. might be the best shooter in the league soon. Um, with Barton and Murray, that's how you'd have to justify putting him into a contender, isn't I, it? That's that's where the links with um, uh, the Timberwolves come from, isn't it? As well. Yeah. So um, that's a nice little segue, actually. Is one thing is to get him to the Timberwolves. It would have to involve another team, and I think the Pacers are. They've been mentioned in trades for a long time, partly with Sabonis and Turner. But now they've suddenly got this quite expensive roster, which is not like Indiana, with lots of actually pretty tradable contracts, bizarrely. Um, so they've got a huge group of people between like 10 and 25, whatever it is. Yeah, so Brogdon is the highest, 21.7 this season. And all the way down to Jeremy Lamb is on 10.5. Sabonis, Turner, Levert, Warren, Lamb. So I... I like the idea, and again, I don't know if this is enough for the Sixers, is a Brogdon-based deal where the Sixers get Brogdon and Levert, or if they can't get Levert, they get TJ Warren. And the Timberwolves send a young player and like Torian Prince or Beasley and ideally like a lower salary figure to the Pacers to cut down their overall costs and picks. And then other picks move around the deal. And that's how you end up with Simmons on the Timberwolves. Yeah. But I think so, the Sixers would still even want picks in that deal somehow. If yeah. they end up with Brogdon and someone. Yeah. I, I, again, I think that's the issue really, isn't it? It's like, at this point, I don't know. 
if um even though obviously Simmons has this like or is meant to have this huge ceiling and they've sort of been banking on that for the last few years of him getting there. At this point it's like if they can trade Simmons well for someone like Brogdon I don't know, I think they should do that. I think it has to be Brogdon plus though. You have to get another player who can be top six, top seven in your playoff rotation. Yeah, okay. So yeah, so maybe so you get someone like that. You you get your starting point guard who is like, you know, like balanced, very balanced player, like combo guard, like you say. And then yeah, and then a sixth man kind of scorer. Yeah. Um and I agree. I, I think that would be a nice ish deal for them at the moment. The one thing, as I was saying with all these trades, is they don't really tick they don't go either of the paths to getting a like all NBA guy. If you have that roster, you're then in with that roster on you. Like yeah, you could trade Brogdon's salary down the line, but he's not a massive asset if you were trying to race to get Lillard or Beal or whoever else it is that comes up. Um, and that's where they might not be interested. I wonder if Maury would prefer to just do like a, they'll take players from the Timberwolves and all their picks because Timberwolves picks are so valuable. And then they go, right, so if Lillard comes available, we can offer three Timberwolves picks, pick swaps and our own picks and salary. And if that's what, whether they'd prefer that, I mean, I don't think that's what they should do necessarily because you could still get outbid for Beal or Lillard then. Yeah, that might be what they're thinking is if they if they go for Simmons for someone like Brogdon or someone similar, uh, you then take yourself out of that. Then you have the opportunity of getting Lillard later on. Yeah, and um, I mean, I've got a couple more of these if we want to go through those as well. The other thing is these trades we've just spoken about um, are like a Buddy Heald and Halliburton or a, a Brogdon and another player from the Pacers. Add that to Harris and Bede, Green, Curry, Maxi. Does that make the Sixers, are they any better than third or fourth in the East with that? I, I don't think that takes them. And that's the other argument, isn't it? As well. So if you're trying to win now with Embiid, your best chance of winning is still to get the megastar in the backcourt and getting one of yeah. these, like, as cruel as it sounds, a halfway house sort of player that doesn't really fix it, does it? No, I guess no. I guess because Simmons was meant to be that. When they say they need to, that potential they basically lost. Yeah. Uh, from Simmons not working out, they need to sort of try and replace that somehow. So do you want to hear a couple of others, and then I'll yeah. stop with these these things. Yeah, go on, go for them. So another one with the Timberwolves potentially, or it could work with someone else, is Indiana sends Danilo Gallinari. Get sorry, get Danilo Gallinari, Lou Williams, and Cam Reddish. Which Lou Williams is a free agent. Gallinari is not at the end of next year. I think the year after is partially guaranteed, though. And then obviously Reddish. So some good flash in the playoffs. They could extend him. Gives another young player on the wing for them to replace Warren, who they either trade away or is um, a free agent at the end of this season. The Sixers would again get Brogdon and Warren or Levert. Um, yeah, and the Hawks get Ben Simmons, who they okay. could then do whatever they want with. Yeah. I mean, yeah, again, 
yeah, it's about the looking at the potential of Ben Simmons. But I, I don't know because they have well, like what's going on with Collins? Collins still Atlanta, isn't he? Yeah, he just signed a huge extension. That's the tricky thing. Because he'd then yeah, because he'd basically be playing that role, wouldn't he? Really. And Simmons and Compeller's not ideal either. No. It's just, yeah, it's just very hard for it to see a, a fit that works that well anywhere. What's your, what's your next one? So this is the last one. This is similar to the Indiana thing, but it's another straight up one. So if Portland um, decide they need to make a move, but that isn't Lillard requesting a trade, the Simmons for McCollum thing has been talked talked about for a long time and it's not quite what the Sixers want because they'd rather do Simmons and everything they've got for Lillard obviously but what if you could find a way to do so CJ McCollum and Norm Powell works with salary for Simmons Korkmaz and Niang the Sixers would then have to incentivize that I guess with a pick or maybe they have to have Maxi. Again, I don't know if that takes them far enough, but I, I think that's quite an interesting thing. Is if you yeah, could, I quite like that one. McCollum and Powell, whether you use Powell off the bench or not, and then you've still got Curry and Green. That's a lot of shooting all of a sudden. Even more shooting, doesn't it? Yeah. And I guess McCollum is your is your point guard, really. Yeah. I think part of it is they need a guy who can get their shot at the end of games, which McCollum has shown he can, and Powell can to a degree. The point guard thing, who can make plays for everyone else, would be great. But also, I mean, the way they played last year was basically Embiid had the ball like all the time in the half court anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think I'd prefer that one out of all of them, to be honest, in terms of... Um what the Sixers get back, and also it the set, it makes more sense The only Portland, really, because they're... Well, they, I, you feel like, basically, if they're just going to, if they're sitting still, Lillard wants to leave, doesn't he, really? Soon, yeah. Um, so, you know, they've they just got to try and make stuff happen before he decides he's off. The only thing I have with it is an... I mean, I guess if you're going after Simmons and believing in him to become something more, the fact you just acquired Larry Nance doesn't Larry Larry Nance even doesn't bother you so much. But given that they would have just traded away two of their backcourt guys alongside Lillard, they'd then be relying on well, Korkmaz, fine, um, Anthony Simons, who has shown some signs that he could be something. Um, but Simmons and Larry Nance and Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic, like you, you end up in one yeah. of these things again where like four of your highest paid players don't know they can be on the floor together. Yeah, I guess that's always an issue, isn't it? You basically need a team that doesn't currently have um, any any big men. And it's why people love the Timberwolves one. Yeah. Is because his fit next to those guys is so perfect. Yeah, it's got either been no big men or big men that can shoot. Because, well, I mean, the other one I've heard, I've seen things about was um, maybe it's just people speculating as the Warriors. Yeah, uh, maybe Wiggins' refusal to get vaccinated would encourage the Warriors a little bit more. 
Yeah. Because um, if that is, then I guess you basically have Simmons and Draymond Green playing alongside each other. I mean, sort of, you hope Green's going to be able to shoot a bit, which he, I mean, he's most time he, he hasn't been, has he, the last couple of years. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Because they don't have any centres, do they, really, at the moment? Well, other than Wiseman, obviously. But yeah, the the thing I have with that is, so the Warriors, I suspect, could find a way to make it work. And Simmons may well buy in there more than he ever has at the Sixers to what his coach would want him to do. Um, but it, it would so if that's the trade, then they have to offer Wiggins. Why are the Sixers doing that? That's that's like the worst offer yeah. of, of any of the things we just. I guess that's about. the thing is they there isn't much. They've not got much to give, have they? The Warriors. No, and they. The only way that would start to make sense, it, well, one, you'd have to get into complicated things again. But I'm not sure how much anyone wants Wiggins, and maybe even less after the interview you gave yesterday. But, yeah, I, I've seen the Warriors thing a lot, and I can't help wondering if that Simmons, want, Simmons wants to play for the Warriors. And that's getting leaked a lot from his camp. Because I, I don't yeah. really... The Warriors can trade for someone at some point. They've got all their picks. They've now got quite a few young players that people might be interested in. They could, They can pull off this deal at some stage, but I don't get why they'd do it for Ben Simmons. Yeah. Um, Although the idea of Draymond and Simmons defensively is pretty funny. It's like, well, Curry's going to score 40 a game and we're not going to need any more than that. You're just going to hold you all to 35 points. That would be quite cool. Um, yeah, that one's been talked about a lot, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, also, like you say, actually, the the uh, the Sixers don't really want picks, particularly, or well, I wouldn't want picks if I was in the Sixers position. And not, although the Warriors are, like you'd think are going to drop off Warriors picks are still not as valuable as if they got a haul of Sacramento or no. Minnesota picks also Clay Thompson is back this year so yeah which I mean do the Warriors really want to go completely all in before they've seen what Clay looks like in an NBA game it's a really odd one to me that I can't help feeling a little bit is either coming from clutch or it's just just one of these things, like Manchester United getting linked with everyone, is the the Warriors have assets, and now on anyone's available, we must talk about they could go to the Warriors. The same thing that happens with the Heat. Even when the Heat don't have assets, they get linked with trading for people, and it's like, well, what? Like no one thinks about it first, you know? Yeah. Anyway, should we move on to the second part of our podcast that we're planning? Um, after the Ben Simmons chat, I don't know. I feel like basically the conclusion is. Um, it doesn't really it doesn't really fit anywhere that well, and um, the Sixers want too much for him. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens with that. But anyway, we were going to um, pick some underachievers and overachievers, aren't we? which is sort of you know vaguely based on what we think other people think. Yes, slightly, slightly straw man. Um, straw man all over the place. Um, this is uh, that's what this segment is: is us basically making choices based on what we think other people think is different to what we think. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. Um, so, what is your uh, 
your team? Your what do you what should we go first? Overachiever or underachiever? Uh let's start with the good news, the overachievers. Okay, who do you think is gonna overachieve compared to what everyone else thinks? So this is a very straw man one. I've gone with the Indiana Pacers here, who we've already spoken about a little bit. What does what does everyone else think about the Indiana Pacers? I don't even know. So I what? my impression is that they are considered like one of the teams that might not make the play in. They're in that group. And I I've not got them I've not got them as like they're up with the Bucks and the Nets or anything silly like that. But I just feel like they've been kind of talked down and everyone's forgotten how talented this roster actually is and comparatively deep compared to some of their rivals in the East. Um basically everything was on fire for them last season. The Nate Bjorkren thing was a disaster. Like and then people were injured. TJ Warren, I don't know if he played any minutes or did he play just at the start last season? Anyway. Not very much basketball from TJ Warren, who turned into Michael Jordan in Orlando for a while. Uh, Karis LeVert obviously had that health scare off the trade, and then Miles Turner was injured as well. Um, and now I've now got Rick Carlisle, who is just commonly regarded as one of the best coaches in the NBA, which is like an incredible upgrade over last year, where just things were a disaster. And I, I just think this this roster is pretty strong, like. Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, TJ Warren, DeMontis Bonis, Miles Turner didn't play a minute together last year. And wow. in theory, that looks like quite a good five to me. And then on the bench, they've picked up Tory Craig. TJ McConnell is just like, you know, a pain in the ass to play against on a regular season Wednesday night. Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and they drafted Chris Duarte for more shooting who's one of these prospects who's expected to come in and just be like immediately a solid NBA player. Uh, before last year, going backwards, they were fourth, fifth, and fifth in the Eastern Conference standings, which, I mean, there's yeah. obviously been some change since then. Like This is a different backcourt, no Oladipo and stuff. And I guess the rest of the Eastern Conference has changed. But even so, it's like they, it, without stars, they managed to be there. I don't know, they're always comfortably in the playoffs. Yeah, and that was um, a lot of that went down to Nate McMillan was just a good coach, and Rick Carlisle is also a very good coach. Um, they were a brilliant defensive team for a lot of that period. I don't know if they'll be as good as that with Carlisle, but offensively they should be pretty good to watch. And yeah, I don't. I'm not tipping them to like go on a playoff run or anything, but I just think that they're, they're a tiny market team that doesn't that isn't dysfunctional. Yeah, they're, they're and almost, those ones go for I always think of them as sort of unremarkable, aren't they? Yeah. I, what, where did they finish again last year? I can't remember. I was way down. It was ninth or tenth. I think. Yeah, it basically went wrong last year, which sort of made it interesting. Whereas usually it's like, yeah, they're not. They're going to get in the playoffs. They're not going to win the title, and it's just like, yeah, they're they're good defensively. Don't really have any stars. Just you know, not really got any glaring weaknesses. Um, but, you know, they just sort of they just win games. They're, um, they've missed the playoffs last year. They lost in the playing game, but they were ninth, and this was this Bjorkren chaos. Before that, they'd made the playoffs all but one year since 2010-11, but they'd lost five straight years in the first round. They obviously had the Paul George years where they were really competitive against the Heat and stuff. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like they're they're unspectacular. 
Yeah. And uh, I guess basically the thing is people's, from one year, you think people's expectations have um, gone too low, like turned around too much. Yeah, I think. So there are health question marks over a lot of those guys. I mean, Warren, it, it's not 100% clear when he's actually going to be back. Um, Brogdon always. Levert, of course, has had injury issues and health issues, which he thankfully seems to have got past. And Miles Turner. So that's like the counter argument, I guess. But I quite like their depth. And I think it's a weird one is, I know Sabonis has now been an all-star, but he's sort of a collection of guys who you would generally view as like, near all star like miles turner's not going to win defensive player of the year probably but he's definitely going to be close a lot of times in his career and brogdon's one of these guys that's always just on the fringe and that's just a good group of players isn't it that they're not going to have the best player in a playoff series against well actually almost anyone else in the east weirdly but that doesn't matter in the regular season it's not about having the best player or the best two players yeah yeah, what, I guess, yeah, the regular season, they're always going to be there, aren't they? They're going to be competitive in every game. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if they snuck into fifth or sixth while other teams are faffing around. Yeah. Um, so my, do you want my overperforming team now? I'm going to... Um, yeah, go for it. I think I'm going to go with the Miami Heat. As um, I don't know, I feel like... I mean, both last year, and really, yeah, I mean, I think they're just, they're never talked about in, as in the top of the East. Even though team people often have them like fourth or fifth, which I think is where they finished last year, isn't it? Um, and maybe this is, maybe in the regular season, they're not, they might not be better than that. Um, I don't know, I feel like they're always... They're basically the heat. You feel like they always sort of perform above their talent level as a team. And, well, obviously, since they've had Butler, they now have talent. And now adding Carl Lowry as well, um, even though he's very old, it's sort of... I know that's, sort of, that's filled a hole they had, really, isn't it? They weren't no playmaker. They've now got a playmaker who also sort of very much fits their style of being like a tough defensive team. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like... A lot of time, yeah, maybe they don't quite have the star powers. Like Jimmy Butler's maybe not the same level of as like you know the the net stars and things, but they're they're just a, a well coached team. They're always a well coached team. I think and, that's um, an interesting pick. Sorry, carry, carry on. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Winston um, didn't Butler miss quite a lot of time last year? Well, they were hit by COVID bad. Really yeah. bad in the first half of the year. I mean, I don't know. They're Butler and Lowry, like, actually playing a, a good chunk of games together. Obviously, with Bam as well. I don't know. I feel like that's. They well, they've got very, Tucker very too as well. They've got PJ it, Tucker as well. I, I forgot about that, actually. So, even better. I mean, they, yeah, they're just going to be a very tough, very good defensive team. They're very shallow, is one thing is um, obviously they lost Dragic in the sign-and-trade, yeah. and they never have any picks, and then they traded away one they just made in Precious Achua. Um, 
So it doesn't take long on their roster to start going, like, I'm not sure that guy should be playing that many NBA minutes. That's the one. They're kind of the flip side of the paces to me, is where the paces, I'm like, I think they're going to be a pretty good regular season team, but I don't know how they're going to beat anyone in the playoffs necessarily. Yeah. The Heat, like, I wouldn't be surprised if those two are next to each other in the regular season, but I don't think they're close when it comes to, like, chance of winning the title. Yeah. I think that's almost what I mean, is I think they... Um, the Heat, I mean, as as a couple of years ago when they got to the finals, when no one expected it, it's like... I feel like any playoff series, they, they've got a good chance. So would you, if I can be so bold to suggest that the Nets and Bucks are the top two, yeah, would you have them next in the Eastern Conference at the moment? I think I might do, yeah, actually. I mean, I would. How close, I mean, this is not really quantifiable, how close would you have them to the top two? Um... In terms of regular season, that no, I don't give them much chance of win, like topping the East or anything. But I don't know in a playoff series against either of those two. I don't know. I don't. I, I'd almost. I'd almost have them like even, like they'll, you know. Yeah, I I I think that's yeah that's quite bold. I would have, I've got those two as the best teams in the NBA, then quite a big gap. And then I probably have the Heat third as well, but I very much have them in the next group is the big thing I'd say. Yeah. So I then have like Heat, Sixers. Another team I nearly put as my overachiever is actually the Celtics. Um, and then probably the Hawks in there as well. Um, that That's why I would have, that's where I'd have them, but towards the top of that group. But I agree with you on their potential in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's almost my point. Really, is um, yeah, they are. I think the the fact is why I just said what I said a minute ago. Really, is they managed to play above the talent level. I mean, before they had um had Butler, they were still like a tough team to play against in the playoffs, and now, and now they have like actually star level talent. Again, you feel like, I don't know, they, yeah, they're going to be thereabouts. The development of Bam offensively is big for me. That's the, that's the really big like swing for them, I think, this year. So they've got Robinson now, obviously tied down. Tucker has become like a nothing offensively. Like He, he was good defensively in the playoffs for the Bucks for most of the time, but like, he's not even like shooting the ball and not shooting it well when he does and like really not doing much else. Bam extending his shot a bit and developing a few more moves in the post and that sort of thing, that that would really give them another look on offense. Because as good as Butler was against the Lakers in the bubble, I could see that being a pretty limited offensive lineup, the Lowry, Robinson, Butler, Tucker, Bam. Yeah, I guess Which that's looks monstrous thing, defensively, but offensively, yeah, you do could worry about that a little bit, I think. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, you just have Robinson running off screens, can you really? 
And they've got Tyler Hero. That he's a big. He's really interesting. Everyone got way too high on him in the bubble. I think, like this guy's Devin Booker, sort of crazy stuff. And then last year he struggled a bit, and now there's this just like he's a non-factor. And it's yeah. like, well, that that spices things up a bit as well, doesn't it? If yeah, he suddenly takes that jump, he's their sixth man, definitely, isn't he? Yeah. And, and yeah, a a good sixth man as well. A good player, a good sort of player to have to come on that can just. Yeah. Just do a bit of everything. Yeah, and <laughs> not afraid to shoot. Yeah. You can safely say. Yeah. Well anyway, we've not we've not got a huge amount of time left, so should we quickly um do our underachievers? Yeah, right. I've got a, I'll rattle through this and I this is another slightly weird one. I've got the Clippers as an underachiever. Which wow. might sound really harsh and kind of obvious because of Kawhi, but I've still heard them on a few podcasts I listened to recently and some rankings and stuff. People don't know what to do with them because there's like the Kawhi, what if he comes back for the playoffs? What happens then? One, he's just signed this massive contract and how he and his team have dealt with injuries in the past. I don't think there's almost any chance he plays before next season. Really? That's a that injury because of the condensed calendar, the injury recovery you'd have to be like an aggressive recovery with an ACL for him to come back at all, and then you're talking about what he's going to come straight off an injury into like the start of the playoffs or something. Not to mention, I'm not 100 percent sure they're going to be in the playoffs without him. So I'm torn on this because I think Paul George is like a fringe MVP candidate in that he's going to have to do everything. Like he's going to have to average 30 and guard the best player every night sort of thing. But he played admittedly two shortened seasons, but 48 and 54 in each of the last two campaigns. If he plays less than 70, I don't, I just don't think they're going to win enough. I know there's other like weaknesses in the West and the top level teams in the West have dropped off a little bit. Perhaps. But this Clippers has still got to be better than New Orleans, uh, Sacramento are going to be trying to actually make the playoffs, Memphis, the Warriors, wherever they fall, Portland, who, unless they blow it up, are still going to be very competitive, Denver, Utah, Phoenix. There's still like, what? how many teams are not trying in that in the West? It's OKC and Houston, isn't it? That's, that's 13 yeah. teams who try and make the playoffs. Paul George, they're going to want to rest to make sure they don't break him anyway. And in their minutes, their regular season minutes last year, they had a minus 3.4 net rating when there was no Kawhi or Paul George on the floor. I mean, I'm looking at, looking at their roster at the moment. It's like outside of those two. It's not good, is it, really? No, like offensively, it's like... What? So they did all this what stuff about the point guard for years. We've, and there's been these nonsense trades that people throw up with that's not the right salary matching. All of this. How do they score any points if Paul George isn't on the floor? So they traded for Eric Bledsoe, who is not a floor general by any stretch and is coming off a stinker of a year with the Pelicans. Reggie Jackson turned into Steph Curry in the playoffs. I'm not sure anyone, probably including Reggie Jackson, believes he's that guy for a whole regular season. If they can get a few nights like that, that would be great. Luke Kennard could barely get in the rotation at points. Justice Winslow is an interesting upside swing and he can 
pass a bit, but he never stays on the floor. And Terence Mann is cool story and a really interesting player, but he's not he's not scoring off the dribble and making plays for others or anything. I I think Paul George has to put them on his back for them yeah. to be a playoff team. Def, I can't see them being top six unless Paul George has an outrageous season, an absolutely. And then he, if I think if they're top six, he's probably like top five MVP. Um, and if he plays, yeah, like I said, I think like the seventy game mark. If he's at less than that, oh, I, I don't know. Like they could be not in the top ten or bottom half of the play-in sort of thing. Yeah, that's um, yeah, a bit worrying for them, really, isn't it? Given the you know last couple of years and like what well, since they've got Jordan Leonard, it's not really worked out, has it? No, I, I think the there. downside's huge, isn't it, this year? Yeah. Yeah. Like Paul George gets a bit of an injury. It's like, what what are they going to do for that period of time? Which he has. And that's the thing is his, his health hasn't been great the last couple of years. And the workload that's going to be on him this season is just enormous. He's going to have to play big minutes. And yeah, he's going to have to be a complete two-way constantly two-way superstar sort of thing and no one really does that no not in through the, the whole season. season they, they just because it, it grinds them down too much um and i know he can pick and choose where he sits but honestly if you look at that roster like you said without pg how many how many teams is that better than yeah like like none and I know that's not fair because it's like, well, that's almost all the salary cap taken up by two guys and you take them out. But that's the reality this year. Is yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's going to be games when they don't have them. Be like that, yeah. yeah, and I don't know how many of those games they're going to be able to win. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm going to have time for my... Uh, my doubt, my um, underachievers, actually, because um, we're running out of time on the, the, the limit time of it thing so we should really wrap up shortly um yeah i guess if we've, we've got a, a bit of time haven't we to do some more preview yep. kind of things we'll have to get some prediction things out there in the, the next few weeks yeah and um yeah see what other ideas we can come up with for uh prediction podcasts <sighs> running up to the season um so well uh, i hope you're still listening or well if you are still listening you can um subscribe um on spotify or other podcasts then if anyone uses that anymore or one of the other ones whichever one you you're listening on now probably you're probably just listening on the website but you can go and find it on one of those places and then listen to all of the episodes. Um, so yeah, go and do that. And uh, look out for the next one. Goodbye. Bye.